Welcome to the Hydric and Struggles Leadership Podcast. Hydric is the premier global provider of senior level executive search and leadership consulting services. Diversity and inclusion, leading through tumultuous times, and building thriving teams and organizations are among the core issues we talk with leaders about every day, including in our podcasts. Thank you for joining the conversation. Hi. I'm Lukas Kiniewicz, partner in charge of Hydric and Struggles Warsaw office and a member of the Global Technology and Services Practice. In today's podcast, I'm excited to speak to Kurdip Grewal, CEO of Intif, a global software company with over 3,000 employees. Intif is headquartered in Munich, Germany, with a challenging, exploratory and agile mindset and international teams of software, design and business experts Intif partners with market leaders in accelerating digital transformation for products and services of tomorrow. Before taking on the role of CEO, Gurdip joined the company as a senior advisor to the board of directors responsible for growth and strategy. Prior to Intif, he led Global Logics European operations as senior vice president and general manager. He has been engaged in numerous leadership roles in the IT sector over the course of his 30-year professional career. Gordeep, welcome and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. Lukas, thank you for having me and it's a pleasure and I look forward to our conversation today. To kick off this uh, conversation, could you please walk us through your journey to Intiv? Sure, Lukas. So I've been, I guess, very lucky being in the world of technology and uh, I started life as an engineer working for a company called ICL, which became Fujitsu. And I was very lucky there to actually help to create a, a platform called TraderNet, which was around digital uh, exchanging of information, uh, orders and invoices. And just to give you an example, this would be people like Marks and Spencer here in the UK ordering their products electronically, as opposed to the old days where it was done through you know, faxes and, and, and letters. So I guess I was involved in digitization very, very early in my career at ICL, which is now Fujitsu. I then had the chance to work with some great companies like Unisys, with Hewlett-Packard, uh, Logica, which is now part of uh, CGI. Um, I also recently worked with uh, iGate and Zenzar and then Global Logic, as you mentioned. And all the way through in those journeys, I've been able to uh, really make a difference in the sort of technology world. Give you another example. John Lewis, which is a retailer in the UK, I helped them to create their first click and collect application, which actually created a, a one billion uh, pound business for them through that digitization. And most recently, I worked with, uh, when I was at Global Logic, with The Economist in helping them to create the Espresso application, which helped uh, digitize their uh, magazine into a short form of information for millennials to actually get interested in using The Economist or reading The Economist uh, subscriptions. So I think, you know, this is something that I've been very, very lucky in helping to create digital solutions for customers. And I think that experience and that knowledge uh, brought me to, to Intiv which, uh, as you said, I started off as an advisor and then eventually became uh, CEO in February 2020. But I think, you know, what I saw at Intiv was that they have this great DNA around helping to design 
and build really strong, powerful digital solutions for customers. And I think that I've been very lucky in that journey where you've been able to utilize uh, these great skills that I've been able to pick up over the last nearly 30 years in IT, but always being in the forefront of technology where I think Intiv is today um, as well. So what were the consistent leadership capabilities that got you to the CEO role of a global tech company? So as you asked about consistent leadership capabilities, I think it's really you need to have the ability to build and create a value creation plan for a business. And this is around a number of things. One is about what is our market and the customers that we want to work with. And also, why should those customers want to work with us? And what is the value that you're going to bring to them? And once you have that customer, I think it's really important for us to really create uh, some sort of uh, business delight for the customers. You know, this could be where you have a key project delivery, uh, quality is uh, second to none. And this also helps you to build that trust with customers. And I think this is something that I've learned over my last 30 years in IT is that trust is the most important thing. This will help you get through challenges, but also the customer will work with you to give you larger challenges. And I think it's also important to be brave and sometimes say no. You know, when you can't deliver or you can't undertake a certain challenge, it's important to say to the customer that we're not able to do that, but you might be able to work with somebody else that could do that because we all have a tendency to say yes. And then when we fail, this is when the relationships go sour. So I think it's about being honest. I think it's about being consistent. I think it's about being brave. I think it's about listening. And you don't always have the answers, which is why I think listening is important. I think the other important thing is not just the customers, but internally, you've got to have the same values for your people and your organization and also provide them with uh, support and kindness and love. It's uh, really important things to make sure that you are successful in your role and I think this is what's key to, I think, consistent leadership qualities and capabilities that certainly I use in, in my role at Intiv. With a focus on leadership capabilities at companies with different types of ownership, uh, what do you think is necessary to be a successful private equity-backed CEO today? That's a really interesting conversation now uh, we're to have because, you know, the, um, Everybody wants to know what, what is the value that you're trying to create. So let's just sort of step back and think about what do PEs want? Well, PEs are trying to build or buy a business using monies from an institution or third parties and where they want to provide a higher uh, level of return and, and, you know, from the investment. And this is usually known as what the PEs called value creation plan. I won't go into the details of what a VCP looks like, but uh, I will talk you through the basics of it because it's quite a, a large uh, framework. It's normally about uh, grow the top line faster than the market and make sure you've got stronger propositions. It's about manage your cost of sales and delivery better than the market, manage your overheads better than the market, Manage your SGNA in a more efficient way than your competition. 
which then leads to a profit or EBITDA level, which is should be better than your customers. And one of the things that you'll always hear in the PE world is, what's your multiple? And this is how a lot of businesses are, are, are measured because that's where the value comes in. So if I give you an example, if your multiple is 20 times EBITDA, that means, for example, if you have a 30 million EBITDA, the value of your business will be 600 million. But if you manage your EBITDA much better than your competition, say, for example, it becomes 31 million, then straight away you add 20 million to your valuation. So you get this 1 to 20 to sort of setup. So if you add 32 million, you get to 640 million. So the PEs are very focused on this value creation. They're very focused on those metrics that I just mentioned to you. And they like you to be very, very efficient in creating value, not just for them, but also the investors that have invested. And a lot of these investors are large institutions or pension funds. So they're always looking for a better return than putting their money into property or into a bank. And this is why uh, PEs will drive every business, every CEO, the management teams to make sure that they're creating value across all those elements I just mentioned. Now, moving to company culture, Intif has acquired a number of companies over the last several years. How has growth through global acquisitions affected your company culture and what are the key lessons about post-merger integration you have learned, particularly about integrating with very different national cultures? Well, I think when you're making an acquisition, it's really, really important to review and understand the culture of the target business so that you look at the similarities of your business and how the two organizations will work together. And in my case, this is something that I always do first, rather than looking at the numbers or looking at the customer base or looking at the P&L. I always spend a lot of time to understand the uh, competencies or the culture or the values that any target organization has and compare that with what we have at Intiv. And this is always a very good foundation. If you get the culture right, the rest of the integration is actually easier to, to, to manage. And it doesn't really matter on nationalities or diversity because that's actually what you're bringing into the company is that you are bringing more diverse uh, nationalities, different types of thinking and different viewpoints. And that actually helps you to enhance your business. And I don't think it really uh, hinders uh, growing the business. And I've seen that um, at Intiv, you know, we've gone, you know, probably from 20 different nationalities to probably I would say over 100 nationalities in our business. And I think it's really, really enhanced our values as a company. But also it's actually made it easier for us to work with our global customers because they also have a lot of these different nationalities. So I think, you know, cultures actually enrich your organization. It helps you with diversity and inclusion. And when you are working in a, a global business environment, you need to have people that have some like-minded views so that you can work in that technology point of view. And I think we, in my, you know, in my activity here at Intiv, you know, we've turned a lot of companies away where the culture wasn't even close to what we wanted. And I think we probably looked at 300 plus companies in, in my tenure 
And, you know, we've only bought three businesses in the last three years. That sort of gives you an essence of just don't buy for the sake of it. You buy for companies that are going to add value, both from a, a culture point of view, but also a similarity of people in our business. And I think that really has worked well for us as an organization. And we've, we also create a very clear operating model, which makes it easier for people coming into the business and they know where they will operate. They know how they'll function with other members of the team. And also this gender and diversity doesn't become an issue for us as we integrate those businesses. And I think having a great integration plan right from the beginning is, is important. And I think that tells people on the journey they're going to be in. The worst thing that can happen in any M&A, in my experience, is if you don't have a journey planned out, you will actually end up having people making their own ideas as you go along. So I think this has really worked well for us at Intiv. And I think leading inclusively by giving direction, having that culture, having the value, uh, does ten tendency to great, uh, create great teams. Now, with everyone talking about chat GPT, how are you preparing for the effect of new technologies such as generative AI, both from the leadership perspective as well as from an IT delivery point of view? Well, you know, we're being a tech company. We have to be in the forefront of uh, understanding how technologies uh, can help our customers, but also help ourselves because we as a business have to be uh, skilled in, in these new tools and technologies. And you mentioned AI, and I'll, I'll go into a bit more detail. But one of the things I think we look for in our leadership capabilities in our business is to have leaders that understand technology. We have leaders that want to embrace that technology, but also translate that technology into business benefit for our customers. And one of the ways we do that is we actually appoint a number of CTOs in our organization. So the CTOs in our business are there to really help create propositions internally with our teams, but also that can help our customers going forward. So our CTOs primarily are technologists. These are people that will be looking at AI. They'll be looking at uh, data insights. They'll be looking at content manipulation. They'll be looking at cloud strategies and how you bring all that together. And they also set the framework for training our staff in the technologies that we want to work on, where we want to run uh, innovation days for our customers. We want to run those internally and externally, training our staff for those uh, innovative tools, but also getting our CTO functions to build career ladders for our up and coming engineers, our designers, but also our executive teams so that they're all actually in tune with the technologies that we're working on and how you can use tools like AI or ChatGPT um, and translating that into uh, a benefit for our customers. I, I'll give you a great example. We're working with a, a government body in, uh, in uh, Scotland where we're building a, an AI platform for people that are disabled or you know, um, have problems in using normal products and services. They can speak in a phone. They can actually type in a phone. They can all use Braille uh, via AI technologies that we've created as a real life application so they can actually access services uh, to help them live a, you know, a, a, an easier life and, 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 and a more comfortable life as well. So, you know, we're already using technology 
uh, like AI to help uh, the industry. But also, I think this is key, as I said earlier, making sure that you have your people that understand why you're using this technology, what are the benefits, and how you can translate that into a, uh, a stickiness for our customers. Customers, you know, because it's not just selling to our customers; they also have users at their end that they want to uh, get closer to. So this is something that's inherent in our DNA. Technology is what Intel is about. So when we go into an engagement, we help the customer through our design capabilities, look at visioning and, and visualizing what a potential customer journey would look like. And then we take our great engineers and our CTO functions to actually put together a solution and architecture to, to execute that. So I think this is something in our DNA and this is something any organization wants to be successful has to have that uh, going forward. What leadership capabilities do you seek for your top team to manage the fast pace of innovation and the arrival of new technologies? And further, which skills and capabilities are you trying to develop in the next generation of leaders so Intif can stay ahead? I think, as I said before, technologists is something that we are in our DNA. So anybody that's in our leadership needs to have a technology background. But more importantly, they need to have a passion on how they can help customers understand and utilize uh, those technologies in, in a you know, business sense. So it's not just about technology for the sake of technology, it's about translating that to, as I mentioned earlier, uh, you know, the customer journey, uh, the architecture, but also our focus as a company is to be a leading design and engineering business in our chosen vertical. So our business leaders need to come from strong technology, but they also need to understand the domain. And this is something that we've defined in Intiv as something that we call DDE, which is domain design and engineering. And everybody goes through that immersion of you know, that, that, that um, methodology that we take to, to our customers, but also our leaders are actually embroiled in that, that uh, understanding so that they also then become leaders who build you know, digital solutions which are you know, real, they're robust, uh, which actually encompass some of the trends that we talked about, AI, data insights, content manipulation, streaming. These are all things that we want to bring to our customers and actually help their customers to have answers at their fingertips, which is really where the stickiness comes in. And if you look at our, our model within Intiv, and this is where I think you know, technology is important in our leaders, is that we're always building bespoke solutions for our customers. You know, we're always uh, helping to design it and build it from scratch. So as leaders, we need to understand what that means, how you execute that, how you create value in that. And then training, as I mentioned earlier, training is really, really important. So we have an L&D function that we have created across Intiv globally, and it's one training platform that everybody uh, in Intiv uses to whether to train themselves, whether they're an engineer or whether they're a designer or whether they're an architect or whether they're a, a cloud expert or you know, whether they're a data expert. They are the people that actually use this platforms to build their careers, but also be very efficient and effective in how they engage with customers. So when my people go and talk to our customers, when they talk to the very first person, it you know, could be a, a salesperson or a sales leader, this person will have a technology bias. 
when they go and talk to our CTO, by definition, there will be a technology bias there. When they talk to our solutioning architects or their technical architects, these people also will have a bias around technology. So you can see this is DNA that we build at all levels. And then our, uh, our business leaders come in through with design and domain. And they also are architected to having the same knowledge around this DDE platform, that, as I mentioned to you. So it becomes like a, you know, a, a DNA that, you know, uh, uh, a, a culture that keeps spreading and spreading through the organization. And I call it a gene pool. I think creating that gene pool in your company where everybody touches the elements I've just talked about uh, makes our leaders much stronger, makes our technical people much stronger. Customers get high level of confidence that we're the sort of business that they should work with. And I think if we can then, you know, create our leaders to also not just think about technology. And I think this is a really important part is uh, from an ESG point of view, what we've got to create is got to be uh, strong economically, but socially, but also inclusive. And those are elements we also build into how we build our organization. We need to have that diversity inclusion, as I mentioned to you before. We also need to have senior executives that are uh, women in, in business. I think that's important. And one of the things I always ask my leaders uh, to be is always be open for change and have an open mind and actually have you know good listening skills because end of the day we all sometimes think we all know what what to do but sometimes you can get you know by listening to the right people or even somebody that's just come into the business they will have a, a different perspective and this also go back goes back to your question earlier about you know acquisitions you know when we bring in different nationalities, some diversity, you open up minds of different thinking processes. And that again, adds that DNA that we create within the interview. So I think good, strong technology DNA, that gene pool I talked about being open to change, listening. And I think lastly, not maybe talk about this, but having fun. So the final question, looking ahead and keeping in mind what we just spoke about, what do you think is next for tech industry and what can leaders do today to be prepared for that? Well, uh, this is a great question. And I think, you know, in our industry, change is constant. We are moving from one tech to the next tech, but also our customers are, are, are changing. And as we've seen over the last few years, global supply chains are changing. And we saw that acceleration from, from COVID. So for us as an organization and for many organizations is customer loyalty is key so as we build our leaders for the future and, and lead our leaders also need to adapt to this fast change uh, that's happening today globally we're seeing competition that you never had before we're seeing how our leaders are having to deal with people not being in in offices working in a hybrid environment we also know hiring today in our world is that you've got to have flexibility on where you hire, how you hire. And if you look at a global workforce, majority of these people are not in our offices anymore. You know, for example, in LATAM, we have people, a thousand people, where we have probably a small percentage coming to our offices, but we're in every single country in, in LATAM, which again, you need to make sure that you 
induct people, you create that DNA that I mentioned earlier, so they feel part of your organization, but also to ensure that we can move at speed to induct people, to have them involved in our business, and our leaders need to be very agile in ensuring that we have that capability they can implement, they have that uh, tools they can implement. You need to have the platforms so that you can run a business end-to-end, and I think that's something we implemented in, in, in into very, very fast. And you also need to have leaders that are thinking about how you work going forward, how you adopt all this ESG elements into your proposition, but also think about what's the impact on uh, your staff, what's the impact on people that will be coming into your business, but also the impact on our customers. So try and build that into our capabilities and ensuring that you know, the supply chains that we've created can service our customers uh, on, on a global basis, but also be able to pivot very, very quickly on new technology. You know, we saw Metaverse was a really high-level high buzz uh, happening, and now we have AI, which I think will actually have a, a bigger imp- impact than, than the Metaverse uh, did have. And I also think that a lot of companies will be looking for solution companies to build a product for them rather than implementing very large scenarios in, in like the old days with ERPs taking years to implement. Today, our leadership and our teams have to implement products in three months, six months. And this is where I think strong guidance, leadership, teams working in a very agile, common way uh, will create success. So Gurdip, thank you for making the time to speak with us today. It was a pleasure. Same here. Thank you so much for asking me and inviting me to this. Thanks for listening to the Hydrogen Struggles Leadership Podcast. To make sure you don't miss more future shaping ideas and conversations, please subscribe to our channel on the podcast app. And if you're listening via LinkedIn, Twitter or YouTube, why not share this with your connections? Until next time.